Good evening, beautiful people. How's everybody doing out there? Welcome to another episode of He Said, He Said, He Said, a look at the world from a seasoned black man's perspective. I am Alvin King, and I am very happy to be with you on this November the 19th. It is cold as a witch's, you know what witches have. It is cold, okay, in DC, okay? And I know some of you all are saying, it's not cold, Alvin, you just, you know, you know, tripping, it's, it's winter just started. No, it's cold because yesterday it was 70 degrees and today, right now, it is 35 degrees. But how are you guys doing? I hope everybody uh, is, is doing well and welcome to another episode of our show. We are em embarking on the holidays and for many people, I know that you're in the spirit. Um, I can see it in my neighborhood. Um, people putting lights up or, you know, hey, Monica, and, 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 and doing things like that. But the holidays also um, is a time of year where people, you know, deal with their anxieties. And, you know, it, it's, it's just a lot of pressure for a lot of people. So it's not always fun and games. So I'm sending positive energy, positive energy out to those people who, you know, just want to throw that Christmas gift into a wall or, you know, just something like that, just to get, get it off your chest. But I'm glad you all are here tonight. We have a great show for you. You know, we're bringing back someone who's a special guest who's been here. I guess that would be bringing back who's been here before. And he, you know, he, he never disappoints when, when he, when he is here. But speaking of never disappointing, I'm going to bring in my co-host tonight, Mr. Saladin Dare and Mr. Vash Bodhi. Come on in here, you guys. Hey, hey. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hey, see you both. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Great. How are you guys? Good, good. I, I can't complain. This is one of, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I'm having a spritzer. Tonight? You work your magic. And if you believe that, you better get away from your window. You're hilarious. <laughs> and Albert, I have to share it with you that it is indeed cold. And I know it's cold because 48 degrees is cold. When I moved to New York a few years ago, uh, my friend Rachel, if she's listening, hi, Rachel, uh, told me 48 degrees is cold. Like gauge that any way you want. But if it's 50, that's two degrees above cold. So when it's 35, you know it's for real, for real cold. Yeah, it's for real. Now you're in Philly, right? I'm in Philly now. Yes. Okay. And okay. It's cold here too. As a matter of fact, let me check and see what the temperature is here in Philly. Okay. Because and Alvin, it is, it is dipped. It's 41. What do witches have? Brooms. Brooms. Cold brooms. Right. Brooms, sticks. <laughs> you know, cold as a witch's broom. Thank you. Yes. You will not say. You will not have me saying uh, that, uh, Mr. Saladin. Dare. No. Hey, you know, guys. Collect. I'm glad you all are here because I, I want to. Um, I, I actually want to salute or, you know, just make sure that we honor that tomorrow is, an, I think, is it National Transgender Awareness Day? Because I know this week uh, they have, uh, from the 13th through the 19th, has been a National Transgender Week. So I know that it's being celebrated the whole week, but tomorrow is the actual day, Transgender Awareness Day. So I want to salute all of my friends who that I know are transgender and say, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Yeah, we, we got to make sure that we give our, give props to that. So thank you. I concur. Mm -hmm. You know, we are an extremely open show. We make it a safe space for everyone. So happy Trans Day of Awareness. Happy Trans Day. So, Happy Trans Day. Who we have on? We have Sean here. Um, oh, wait a minute, Eric. I, I've never, uh, I've never Eric seen is new. Eric. Eric is new. How you doing, Eric from San Jose? You better put it down from the, is that the West Coast? It's the West yeah. Coast, going back to Cali. California. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cali. Hey, Eric, thank, thanks for joining. And there, there's Michelle um, from the DMV. Thanks for joining mm -hmm. us again tonight, Michelle. Thank you for being here. Um, Speaking of San Jose, I. I once drove through a torrential downpour. I almost died trying to drive from San Jose to the San Francisco Opera House to see one of my favorite ballerinas, Muriel Moffrey, perform with the San Francisco Ballet. I didn't even have a ticket. <laughs> they wow. were sold out and I got to the box office. I was still dancing then. 
And I told the woman at the box office that I was in San Jose performing. And then I almost died driving across that bridge. And she found me a seat and charged me $30. Wow. I'll never forget that. Can I ask, how did you almost die? It was a torrential downpour. Have you ever driven in Northern California during like a rainstorm? It was a torrential no. downpour. It was frightening. Oh, it doesn't rain that much in Northern California. So that could have just been a mist. No, this was not a mist. <laughs> and I'm, I'm from Chicago. So I know, I know a torrential downpour. I know a torrential downpour. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, well, I'm glad that you guys have all smiles on your face because earlier today, I did not have a smile on my face when uh, I'm watching TV and the verdict came down from this, uh, uh, this uh, verdict for Kyle Rittenhouse. And he was actually acquitted on all charges, ladies and gentlemen. He got off on everything. And, you know, to be honest with you guys, um, I wasn't surprised. However, I cannot escape the disappointment that I felt after seeing another situation where I, clearly this person should be in jail tonight. Okay. I I mean, I understand the disappointment, but within the legal system, it's all about like the game that you're playing and their defense was very, very hard to fight. I mean, they said that he was in self-defense and it's very hard to say that someone was not feeling the need to defend themselves, especially when video shows that they were being chased. There's still that one count where he killed someone before he was being chased. Mm -hmm. But self-defense yeah. is a very hard case to prove. Well, Josh Horowitz, the executive director of the Educational Fund to Stop Gun Violence, said mm -hmm. the verdict denied justice. He also said that extreme gun, extreme gun culture has rotted out our collective soul. Mm -hmm. Only in America can a 17-year-old grab an assault weapon travel across state lines, provoke a fight, kill two people and injure another and pay no consequences. Right, right. right. And, 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 and this is one of the two Americas that we live in, okay? Mm -hmm. one, one of the two Americans, uh, <clears throat> Americas that we live in. Blue said, bottom line, if you help blacks, then we consider you black and we'll treat you as such. Hmm. Yeah, but the thing, okay, so let's just, I mean, I get that he showed up with a gun. I get that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time or the right place, depending on which side you're on. But just because you showed up I would up think with a gun, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like he, no. he no. arrived in Kenosha, Wisconsin on the third day of the unrest as a yes. result of the shooting um, uh, by a, of, uh, of a shooting of Jacob Blake who yep. was shot by a white police officer. Yep. So the gun, the rifle that he had was actually given to him or purchased for him by a friend because uh, he was mother. too young to even purchase a gun, mm -hmm. right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so he went there looking for, he was on the hunt, right? He yes. wasn't invited. He wasn't invited to help defend local businesses and local neighborhoods. He went there on a hunt. Like he went there to provoke a fight and use self-defense as his defense, you know, as a justification for injuring and murdering people. So well, do you think that his defense was premeditated? Like he was like, okay, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna use self-defense as my defense if I get caught, because that's possible. Well, I Absolutely. think that it was, I think it was highly premeditated. I mean, he even he even lied saying that he was a medic and, and that, you know, that he he's not a medic. He went there mm -hmm. to, to do harm mm -hmm. and he, it, it, there was a curfew. So he shouldn't even have been out. He shouldn't have even so, been out. So he went there to do harm and, I cannot, again, for the life of me, understand. Well, let, let me go back to something you all said about the judicial system. The judge, to me, wasn't fair. I just felt like the, the, I felt like the judge wasn't fair. So, you know, the judge wasn't going to let this little young white boy go to jail. And he made it clear, in, in my opinion, how he approached this trial. And so I, I just think from the get-go, Kyle Rittenhouse wasn't going to jail. I, I, I agree with you. I, I do believe that I would have, it's hard to fight against a self-defense 
claim in those circumstances. And I don't believe that this verdict says that he was not guilty of actually doing what he did. It's just sort of saying that within the legal system, that self-defense claim carries a lot of weight. And perhaps it carries more weight if you are white versus if you are black. And I, I strongly stand behind that as well, that it does. But, you know. Well, uh, I think I, the I case hope... is certainly fueled the debate over gun rights, vigilantism, yeah. and, and the mm -hmm. definition of self-defense in this country. And yeah. I just, I'm afraid that this is going to open up an avalanche of issues around yes. vigilantism and, and empowering people to use self-defense as justification for hunting people down. And now I'm very afraid and very nervous about um, the, the Ahmaud Arbery case. You know, are they going to are they going to argue self-defense? Because there was a point when Ahmaud Arbery got into a scuffle with one of those white men. But what would any man do if someone was like, you know, blocking them with the truck as you're trying to get by? And then someone gets out and they have a gun and they're trying to incite a fight with you like mm -hmm. any other man would try and defend himself. And unfortunately, Ahmaud Arbery is not here to say that he was fighting in self-defense. He, they are going to be using uh, citizen's arrest as their defense. And under citizen's arrest, if you are uh, actually performing a citizen's arrest, you have as many rights as the police do, but you have to be, you have to let it be known at that time that you are performing a citizen's arrest to invoke those. And they did I not call the police. Did. They, they, well, they didn't call the police. They took matters into their well, own they, they hands. Well, they the, when the police officer arrest. arrived, he didn't tell the police officer that he was executing a, a, a citizen's arrest. Right. And, and this citizen's arrest thing, like, you know, civilians should not have the same powers as police officers or soldiers. Like the whole citizen's arrest thing, this whole like stand your ground, all of these laws need to be reassessed because it should not be in the, the hands of, of civilians, uh, we should not have the power to take someone's life. We shouldn't be, in my opinion, we shouldn't be carrying guns and, and killing one another. It just doesn't make any sense. These stand well, your ground laws and the whole idea of citizen's arrest. Well, we, we found out today that there's a, a, <laughs> there's a lot of mixed emotions with that verdict mm -hmm. that was handed down today. And, and, and we could definitely, actually, we could probably have another whole show dedicated just to that and how we feel about the injustices that, that we've witnessed. Some of us, well, I know I feel like I, I, I witnessed it today. Um, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, we can talk about that. But I kind of wanted to get that off our chest and see how you guys felt about what happened today. And um, wow. Can, may I interject a positive yeah. note? Mm-hmm. Uh, today, for a very brief time, we had our first woman and woman of color president. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, right. that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because that kind of caught me off guard when the news made a big, I was, the way they introduced it to me when I was looking at TV, I, I got it after a couple of seconds because then they explained where um, President Biden was and, mm -hmm. and how that came right. about. So. Kudos to you, Kamala. You've been president. Word, for Kamala. A they said word, Uncle Joe word, might go, word, so we're going to transfer some power to you for a little bit, sweetie. <laughs> it's always better to have it be, yeah. you know, whatever. Have it happen the first time, even if it's just a little taste. That way, it's yeah. easier to get to the second time. So yeah. it's really exciting that we've yep. already had a female president. So yeah, and I'm I'm happy the president is feeling better. He's back at the White House, relaxing with Dr. Jill Biden. So. Um, congrats, Kamala, and you know, stay well, President Biden. Indeed. Well, thank you all. Thank you all for that. Um, that for for the chat. Thank you to all of our viewers who um, and that you guys have been commenting on it. I know Michelle and Blue have been very vocal out here commenting uh, on us talking about this verdict today. Well, we're going to move into our topic, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, um, we we are, as you know, we are vastly approaching the end of the year, and our favorite financial guru returns to tell you how you can reach your financial goals by the end of the year and rethinking your priorities, um, tips for saving more, and even committing to sustainability toward financial freedom. He'll also talk to us about um, wealth building habits that you can start right now that would make it easier for you, that's right, to continue them into 2022. So 
here for our focus on our, our finance series, Fertilizing Your Finances. Please welcome Mr. Randy Jones, Wealth Management Advisor, First Financial Group. Hey, Randy. Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm glad Randy, to be here, Randy. Hey, Randy. hey, glad to have you back, man. Um, Thank you for inviting me. That, that that looks like a nice um you know new background you have randy did you like you know randy did you like buy this million dollar home or what what's going on what's, what's happening no i'm in my hotel room i'm in la right now <laughs> doing some prep work for a ted talk that i'm doing next year oh nice all right that's right congratulations to that um willpower harris says randy's a real deal excited <laughs> to hear him kick some knowledge that's right willpower <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you for joining us tonight. So, Randy, you, you've been doing good. You ready for the show, man? Yeah, yeah. Let's get going. I'm ready okay, to um, let, talk and listen and answer let, questions. <laughs> let's go ahead and do it. For those of you who don't know Randy, like I said, he's been here before. I want to give Randy an opportunity to uh, tell, you know, take a couple of seconds to tell us about himself and why he got into the financial planning industry. Outstanding. Well, um. I've been doing financial planning, I guess, for the last 25, 26 years, helping people, you know, do things like buy homes, build retirement, take care of their kids and their parents as they get older, buy and sell companies and a lot more. My experience has been that people have had money more as an obstacle than they do as an asset. And what I mean by that, if, if, if I look at a person's life or I look at how the business is run, they often have multiple dollars doing one job versus one dollar doing multiple jobs. And so what I do is sort of figure out how do we make all the things that people have told them to do, because most people are getting advice sort of in silos, and they just want to figure out how do I make all the puzzle pieces fit together to create the big picture called my life. And so over the years, I've learned that financial planning really wasn't about money. It was just the way that you thought about money. So what I do really isn't complicated, but it is hard because before I meet a person, I just say, hey, we're going to think totally different differently than you've ever thought in your life and so i like changing people's lives having them think different and about their money and empowering them to take control of their future for generations to come so i mean and when you're dealing with people's money and changing their minds that means that you have a, a psychology degree as well is that does that mean okay because i know that i know you got a couple of couches you you have to have because you start talking about people their money and changing their lives i i know that's not easy to do no, no. so Randy, every year people set financial goals and often end up um, disappointed with, with their progress by the end of the year. Why do you think um, this happens and what can people do to change the outcome with the time that's left in this year, 2021? You know, I think every year, like people make New Year's resolutions or if you have some milestone birthday that you make some <coughs> promise to yourself. And I think... Um, Success doesn't happen overnight, neither does failure. And I think what happens when people say, hey, I'm going to change my entire life when it comes to my finances, they make their goals, you know, really big and they want to attack them all at once versus trying to, you know, take them and break them down into bite-sized pieces that you can do. And I think people uh, overextend themselves or make promises that are going to be really hard because it took them a lifetime to get where they wherever they are and they're trying to fix all of that in one year so i think it really makes it hard i think people should just take it shorter and if you had a big goal how do i break it into you know quarterly goals and then monthly goals a real good book is called the um 12 12 week work week or something like that where you just sort of take your goals and break them down into you know three month goals and you're able to attain them i think if people just take them in bite sizes they can change that and move it forward okay okay well, I have a question for you, Randy, because it's the holiday season and it is time to buy gifts and do all kinds of spendings and people having all kinds of sales. What can you tell us and suggest that people do to help break the cycle of overspending during this time? You know, um, when I help my clients create what is called a, a spending plan, because you know, I want them to be able to figure out how they're going to allocate their, their finances. When it comes to Christmas, I said, Here, here's a, or the holiday season, depending on what you celebrate. Set a limit. Think about first make a list of who do you want to, um, you know, give some type of gift. And I think a lot of times we think gifts have to be a material thing. One of the suggestions that I gave my client, I said, hey, they, they have a lot of adult um, relatives. I said, 
how about movie tickets and a bottle of wine or something like that? It's something that they can do. It's the thought that counts. We put so much material stuff on it. And if you're going to set a limit on what you're going to spend during that holiday, see how you're going to allocate it. A good tip is take that money out of your bank account and put it on one of those Visa gift cards. That way, the money that's on that card is what you spend for that holiday. And then you don't have to worry about that you're going to dip over it or you know go a little bit further because it's separated from your everyday finances, especially from your the money that you pay your bills with. Yeah. Well, see, look, I, I think the issue for me is, see, a, a Christian would know that it's Jesus' birthday, okay? It is Jesus' birthday. It is the day that Jesus was born. <laughs> so why are you running out buying everybody else gifts when you need to be on your knees thanking Jesus and giving him all the praise? I had to slip that one in. Okay? Well, Jesus <laughs> wants me to have a Lamborghini. <laughs> so that's what Jesus wants you to have. I yeah. just got to say, don't. It, it is Jesus' birthday, and I'm going to stop right I'm not really a huge gift giver. I prefer to provide someone with either like some sort of experiential gift, like maybe lunch or dinner or bake someone a cake. Like, you know, I know sometimes I get gifts and thank you people, but sometimes people will give me something like some $20 shirt that was on sale at Zara that doesn't fit me. They could have mm -hmm. saved that $20 and to Randy's point, you know, gave me a gift card to the movies or, or, you know, bake me a cake or send me some donuts or something. I don't know. But anyway, I digress. So Randy, a lot of people give up on their goals and they say they'll start in the new year. Do you have any tips or recommendations that could help a person break the cycle of having a strong start and a weak finish? Um, sort of, like I said before, you know, put it into bite size. But he, here's what I think people do. They don't do any type of, I mean, like you set a goal and you work it, you work it all throughout the year, and then you look back and see, you know, did I make it or did I not make it? Have some checkpoints. If you're going to do a change your financial life, don't say I'm going to look at the end of the year and see how I did this year. First, start off with, you know, just a, a weekly goal. I'm going to pay attention to how much I eat out. I'm going to pay attention to, you know, I'm going to set this limit just for myself. And I think a lot of times when they set up, people set up financial plans, they um, they think it's about just waiting for tomorrow and not being able to live today. A, a good plan should allow you to be able to spend money today as well as tomorrow. So mm -hmm. I think if you were to set it down, but have checkpoints where you're able to say, okay, well, I'm a little bit off course and you can make a, a correction there versus waiting until the end of the year or the end of the month or whatever long period and then saying, well, I'll just do better next year. You know, I think that's the best way to break the cycle, you know, set a goal, measure it, adjust it, set the new goal, measure it, adjust it, as they would say, you know, rinse and repeat and just keep doing that. And I think people will have better success that way. Yeah. I want to jump back to spending and for the holidays. And Michelle asked a question, well, or made a statement. She said, give them stock. Are there gifts that you can give someone over the holiday season that will actually advance their financial position and help family well? That's a good point. Some people do give stocks. Some people do put money in, you know, kids education, 529 um, plans or something like that. If you have a brother or sister that has kids or nieces or something. I think the biggest thing when you give those type of gifts, though, whether it be opening up some small brokerage account, is having the conversation about why why we are doing this and not it's not just to say that hey you want to do things to make your money work for you or you want to create generational wealth but why what are we going to do with the money are we going to consume with the money or are we going to create with the money having some why behind that and so then the person that you're giving the gift to knows the purpose not just hey i own you know a couple of shares of this company or that company so put some purpose behind it before you talk about the profit of it right and if a person wanted to take control of their finances, what would you recommend they do over the next 30 days? Sit down, pull, you know, we're online now. Go online and pull down your bank statement for the last three months. And just, you know, there are um, applications out there like mint.com, that's a good thing that I use. Or you need a budget. There are a number of them out there that you can do that can aggregate all your transactions. Here's a good thing. What you want to be able to do is just Take a look at what you're spending, what you bring in first, and then what your normal spending habits are and try to put them in categories. Don't try to make this too big. See if you can put them in and group them in like eight to 10 categories and then say, hey, I'm going to set a limit. If I bring home 
and you know my bills are x i plan to spend y on myself personally and see if you can live within those limits mm -hmm. here's a great thing the the envelope system where if you were to break up your money these applications are sort of like the electronic version of the envelope system breaking it into bite size or you know categories that you can main monitor and maintain and then just start there and just say hey this is what i'm going to do over the next 30 days don't wait until the beginning of the year and just get started now with it mm -hmm. i i gotta share something with you i i promise you i i am not bragging so don't even think don't even say that but you were just talking about stocks and i just started in investing in stocks this year and learning what it's like and i have what i call a financial advisor and unbeknownst to me as a gift he had set a goal for all the people when he reached a certain plateau in all of his stock building that he would give a stock to all the people that have followed him and that he have given advice to and they followed his advice and i was one of those people so i got a generous he gifted me stock and so i thought that was the most wonderful thing now i'm not gonna say he doesn't have to give me anything for christmas I'm just saying that since that was his goal, that's what he did. I'm just saying that that, that is real and it's very, it's very important. So we were just talking about that and I never would have brought that up unless we were having this conversation. But that is, a, it, it really, I saw the value in that. And so that, okay, that, Beyonce. Is, that, 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 that is a way to give a gift. Don't, not yet. Give me well, an equity. <laughs> give me an equity. Not yet. Give me ownership or give me death. <laughs> but but Randy, you talk about you talked about a budget earlier, or better yet, a spending plan. Mm -hmm. Some people feel like like that's restrictive. And shouldn't people be able to enjoy life uh, without always having to watch every dime or pinch every, you know, every penny? Well, I think somewhere it got lost that paying attention to your money was bad. And I, when I tell people, I said, what we're going to do is set up a spending plan. A spending plan isn't supposed to make you think from a scarcity mentality, but from an abundance um, um, perspective, being able to see where your money is, have control of how you allocate it versus being a slave to what you've done with it or how it disappeared. Lots of time when we start talking about a, you know, cash man management or a spending plan, a lot of people don't know where their money is. I'll ask mm -hmm. them, I say, how much of your bills? Now, this is something I used to say. How much are your bills on a monthly basis? And everybody would tell me it's a three thousand or five thousand dollars. So I had to change the question. I said, "How much does your lifestyle cost on a monthly basis?" And most people lean back and go, Randy. "I don't know." <laughs> most people don't want to be lost with their money. They want to know where it is. So, if truly, a spending plan should create. Uh, a sense of abundance you know and you're in control of everything that you have and you get to say where it goes and that's what a spending plan does versus a budget says how much money do i need to pay these bills that's sort of reactive we want to be proactive mm -hmm. and be in control mm -hmm. mm. you all i see all these questions coming up from 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 folks or, or these these statements let me um i can't remember oh so oh uh, uh lillian said to saladin Thank you for dinner. When you were talking about that, uh, she, she, she said, thank, thank you for dinner. So Lillian, he's good for that. Uh, Blue said, people must Don't thank me, thank Alvin. He's on, he owns all these stocks. He's going to take everyone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> people must learn to be honest about their finances. If you don't have them, if you don't have them, don't, if you don't have it, don't do it. I, ha I have limits for everything, gifts, dinners, and fun. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that, that 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 that's some good advice so um hey jj uh thank you for joining so um you know okay. if i can say just one thing you know because like sometimes when people hear the word limits right we all live from a spending plan when we grew up when our parents gave us money you know that's all the money that we had so your friend said you want to go skate into the movies as well as the mall you say i can do two out of the three it's the same thing and as we got older just direct deposit mm -hmm. made us forget about that right oh no it's true Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But even going back to the comment about limits, you know, I really enjoy going to the opera and going to dance performances and seeing plays, but I set a limit of how much I'm willing to pay. Like there's a cap. And so I utilize this app called Today Ticks and they have discounted tickets and the seats are normally pretty good. So I can go and see a Broadway show or an opera for 39 or $47. 
And no matter if you're sitting in the orchestra, the grand parterre, or in the balcony, the music all sounds the same. <laughs> or Dustin, <laughs> Dustin the Chandelier. You're Let in the room. Let me tell you, though, Saladin, you have to join TDF. TDF is it's a nonprofit organization. It actually helps uh, actors and the community. You have to be a part of the community to get in. And the tickets that they get are always, they're like house seats mm -hmm. for like what you might pay for like a balcony seat with today ticks. Join TDF. And TDF, if you're listening, <laughs> you need to be giving us. <laughs> okay, that's time. right. Hey, how you doing, TDF? TDF. Yeah. He said, he said, he said. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Randy, outside of getting a better handle on your finances and taking action to overcome some of the spending that we have, do you have any tips that people can focus on to reprioritize for going into the end of the year and into 2022? Yeah. I, he, he, I often tell people the one thing that we can't get back is time, but most people spend 95% of their time focused on their money, saying that they want to live. One of the things that Saladin said was, you know, experiences. Um, prioritize what you want to experience mm -hmm. and then align your money with that. Most people want to align their money and see what can they create after they have it. Figure out what you want to do with your life. Figure out how you want to live and then decide what is it going to take to do it. Just like you were saying, TDF, there are ways to have great experiences mm -hmm. without going broke behind them. You know, right. that's why we always have that conversation that, you know, you know, the guy who's really wealthy, he drives some beat up truck and torn jeans. Everybody always, I don't know who this guy is, but everybody must have met him, you know. But I would tell people, prioritize the experience that you want to have and then align your money with that. Spend more time living your life versus chasing your money. Most people are chasing rich versus pursuing wealth. The difference between wealthy people and everyday people isn't their money, just the way that they think about it. So think differently and say, here's what I want to experience and then move forward and make that a priority. No, I think, and I, I think, I think that, first of all, I think that that is like great advice. And I've learned a lot of what you just said, those practices uh, since COVID. Um, I know I used to be the kind of person that I used to wear watches a lot. And if the battery died in a watch, rather than go and replace the battery, I go and buy a new watch. And, you know, it's those type of habits that, you know, I had to break so that I could, you know, I guess, I guess, see my, my money grow. So it doesn't matter how, how big it is, because like you said, Randy, one of the things that you've been saying um, since you've been on this show is, you know, you don't have to always put a lot, you can start with a little and, and gain, and, and gain momentum, you know, uh, over, over the, um, over the process. So that's something that you have said on every show that, that you've been on with us. And hopefully you guys are hearing him because it's true. I'm, I'm a living witness that that is true. So, um, so Randy, we, we often talk about financial freedom, okay, and starting early, but when it comes to bu and building wealth, what are your thoughts about people, about giving stocks? Oh, we talked about as giving gifts, but setting up investments account for their younger family members. How important is that? I think it's really important because starting early, I, I did a, a post um, on my Instagram at Real Randy Jones, where I talked about a person could save, start saving at from at the age 25 to 35, and never save another dime, and just have that money continue to compound until they retire at 65. Versus a person who starts at 35 and retires, I mean, saves all the way until retirement. Starting early is key. If you open up accounts um, for family members. Have the conversation about why we're doing it. But most importantly, put some understanding. When people come to me about investing, I say, look, we don't invest based on rates of return. I can't control what the market does. People say, Randy, what do you think about the market? I said, I don't think about it. It's like the sun coming up and down. I can't control it. Mm -hmm. But what we want to do is invest with the intention of having access and control of your money. Design things around when will you need the money. Make your investments apply them to goals that you set, not just to have a bunch of money. Retirement is not about how much money you have. It's about how much income it produces. And if you're going to invest, you're going to have possibly some short-term goals, some mid-term goals, as well as some long-term goals. And then that's how you will 
you know, allocate your investment portfolio. So if you're going to open it up with the person, start having those conversations about why starting early is more important than, you know, starting sooner is better than starting later, as well as what are we going to do with the money and what does it mean? And then tie some goals to it. It'll mean more to them as well versus just opening an account for them. Mm-hmm. And Randy, what do you have to say to young parents who are, you know, starting to have a family? I'm sure they're, you know, babies are born every second. Uh, what would you say to young parents about using the money that people give them to gift their children life insurance rather than just opening up a, a checking account or a 529 savings plan? Why not, you know, gift the kid life insurance and really create generational wealth? I think that's an awesome idea. My kids, I got life insurance policies and because I think as parents, when we think about life insurance, it's all about death. Life insurance is the craziest thing. It's the only thing that's named after what it gives life, but described after what it has to take, you know, death or something yeah. for you to access it. But there are different ways. I think gifting it to gifting life insurance to um, young kids is really important. My kids had policies when they were young and it wasn't about them, my fear of them dying. It's just ensuring that they have a way to create a legacy early that you set up for them and then talk to them about the importance of it i have clients who did that with their kids gifted them life insurance when they're young and then later on they had some health challenge which if they had waited they couldn't do anything so the sooner you can get it the better but you really need somebody who can explain to you the why and the how how behind it because a lot of people misunderstand the true nature and value of life insurance it's not about dying. It's about living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot so, of families will use. Go ahead, Alvin. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I'm sorry to cut in. I was going to say, so what do you tell the single the single person who doesn't have kids? And, you know, what, what, what do you tell that person about generational wealth who doesn't have a big family who, you know, what I'm saying who, who, yeah, who doesn't have any of what the traditional family has? What, what do you tell that person? So when it, as far as life insurance or just no, about building generational wealth? Generational wealth? Mm-hmm. Well, hey, you know me. I'm a very spiritual person. And then they say, I go before you to prepare a place. So we are somebody's mentor somewhere. So I think we have an obligation and responsibility to prepare a path some, for somebody else. It's, you know, we're here for the benefit of others. I don't know why we're here other than that. It's not just to work and make money and didn't leave this place. So a single person, I would say, is there something that you believe in? Is there something, would you like your name to be remembered after you're gone? How do we build something that somebody can carry on after you're gone for a greater purpose than ourselves? A lot of times people who come to me who are single about generational wealth, they're just thinking about how much money can they stockpile? And they will get to a point and some people say, well, I haven't gotten there yet, you know, but most people will get to a point where they have enough money. They've done enough things. Now, what does life mean? And so if we put our purpose before our profit, I tell people, I said, don't you want your life to mean something other than you just existed? Mm-hmm. And usually people say, yeah, I said, okay, we can do something about that. So Randy, you meant, you said this word stockpiling, how, you know, this thing, you know, they make this money and they stockpile it. Um, in layman's term, explain that to me. Like so, stockpiling, like are you just, just putting it in a bank, putting it in a bank, putting it in a bank and it's not going know. anywhere or doing anything. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying that sometimes I'll have people come to me and they're, they might be investing. They might be doing a combination of investing, saving, buying real estate, whatever it is. When I say stockpiling, they're growing their wealth over their working years. And if we're truly talking about generational wealth, say that I have a company, right? And I want, it may not, I may not have any kids, but I might have a friend. I might see a young person that worked as hard as I did when I was their age, you know, and I might, you know, take, take them under my wing and say, I'm going to teach you how to run this business. When people are stockpiling and growing something, there has to be some other reason behind it other than just to end up in retirement. I've got a lot of money. And so I'm just saying the different ways that people grow money, if they put a different purpose behind it, then they can teach other people how to do the same thing. One of the assets I'll tell my clients, I say we have more than material assets. One is our intellectual assets, what we learn, but also what we teach. 
-hmm. So instead of just growing your money, figure out how you can teach someone else to do the same thing that you're doing. That's what I meant by stockpiling. And Randy, well, one of our viewers just asked a question about, uh, he what, would, would like you to share your thoughts on long-term disability insurance. I think it's um, really important. Your number one asset is you and your ability to work. Mm -hmm. Look, the one out of four people will have a long-term disability in life. You know the number one reason people file bankruptcy? It is not mismanagement of funds. It is disability. Mm. And most people say, well, I got disability at my job. I got long-term disability at my job. Because your job pays for it. Now, normally what it does, it covers about 60% of whatever your, your income is. But because your job pays for it, whatever you receive in disability, you get taxed. So let me just, if I were to give simple math, if your income got cut in half, could you still do all the things that you want to do today? So I think having long-term um, long disability is important so that all the things and plans and goals that you set for yourself, you got a backup plan. If you got hurt, money still comes in and your dreams don't disappear. You can keep doing it. So I think it's really important for you to take advantage of your job and then supplement the difference so that you can get roughly to about 80% of your bring home income if you got hurt. I mm. think it's great. Mm. Income protection, that's what we call it. Mm. Uh, to your point about sharing your intellectual knowledge about money, Lillian said that when she dies, her granddaughter will be pretty well off. And she says she talks to her about investing, buying a home, et cetera. So, so Lillian, when are you taking me to dinner? Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Lillian is the one. Okay. And, and, and he will go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I'll go too. Ready? Uh, and everyone, this is kind of for everyone because you know I'm sort of fixated on this holiday season and spending. Are there any traditions that people have that help them save money yet still stay within the holiday spirit? Um, I know with my family during the holidays we do a family retreat. You know, like um, this year we'll go to Hawaii and we talk about some of the goals that we set up um, set up at the beginning of the year. You know, did we accomplish them? What did we learn? We share that with each other. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing about wealth is having the conversation, having those traditions. Like the young lady said, you know, her granddaughter will have will be well off when she passed. I think the goal is not to leave a million dollars so that our kids can consume it. It's to leave a million dollars, but leave the lessons of how it was created so they can turn the million to three million. And, and pass those lessons on. Those are the traditions that I say that we should be talking about it and during the holidays. We get together for Thanksgiving and Christmas or whatever holiday you um, celebrate. And the family should be talking about what they've learned individually and what we can learn collectively. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's what's really important, having those conversations. Mm -hmm. That's great. I think, I think that, you know, I'm going to try that, Randy. I'm going to let you know how that goes over. I'm, I'm going to find a very savvy way to go into that. Now, I do have an, an uncle and a few cousins who will look at me and sit down and they'll pull up to the table and we'll talk about it. But I'm just going to see how that 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 works out uh, for Thanksgiving, Randy. But I think it's a great idea. I, 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 I do. You, I think it's, it's a great offer. idea. Mm -hmm. you, just, you can't own the result, but you can make the offer. Okay, you better set me up for success, Randy. Okay, yeah, 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 yes, you did. Wait a minute. Uh, Will said we need to proactively seek to create a legacy. He totally agrees with with with, with you, Randy. Uh, we do too, Will, and that's why we keep bringing him back. Okay, and what does G's story says? Master P created two hundred and fifty million dollars on ten thousand dollars left to him by his uncle. About it. About it. Does he have a book? Because I need to read. I need to see how he did that. Uh, uh, Has he ever considered living an alternative lifestyle? <laughs> Who's that, Master P? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Break up. I can put my phone number in the chat. <laughs> you know what? You, you, you to, to that fan. point, I often ask people when I would teach this class, I would say, by a show of hands, who considers themselves an educated consumer or a smart consumer? And people would raise their hand and I would click the slide and it would say the definition of a consumer is a person who wastes, devastates, exhausts, does not cherish, eliminates. And I think to the to the point that that person made about Master P, he's a creator. 
He took the $10,000 and said, what am I going to create? And I think that's the decision or the question we need to ask ourselves. If I have a dollar, will I consume with it or will I create with it? Mm-hmm. What am I going to build? Yeah. Not what am I going to buy? Exactly. Exactly. And Randy, to your point, I know someone, uh, a distant family member who came into some money through a life insurance inheritance. And this person pretty much struggled throughout her life. And then she really hit the jackpot with this money and it is quickly dwindling and she's not creating anything and she's just spending, spending, spending. And I've had conversations with another family member to give to her and it's just like talking to these people. It's like all of my words fall on deaf ears. That money is, and this woman has grandchildren, she has nieces, she has nephews. They will never see any of this money and it's just really sad. So what you said really resonated with me and I hope it resonates with all of our viewers. Uh, We have to continue to create and provide a legacy. If not for our family members, then for an organization that we love, be it your church or your favorite dance company and so forth. Yeah. I, I feel yeah. that. I feel that. If we start taking care of each other, we ain't got to depend on nobody else. Amen. Well, you know, every time Randy comes on the show, ladies and gentlemen, we want to pull out the plate and pass <laughs> it around because um, he never disappoints and leaves us a lot. Uh, he leaves us full. And so I hope that, 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 that you all have gotten out of, out of this interview what we know Randy never, you know, never fails to bring. So Randy, before you go, uh, out of all the, out of all that we have discussed on the show tonight, is there one thing that you would suggest to our audience that would have the most impact on their lives and their finances right now? I think um, the most important thing that I would say out of all of what we talked about tonight is, um, sort of like an awakening. People would talk to me about financial education and I would say, I don't think it's more information that we need. We need an awakening to the information that we already know, financial awareness. The only difference between wealthy people and everyday people is not their money. The wealth gap really does not have to do any, have anything to do with money, just the way that people think about money. Mm -hmm. If we change the way that we think, if we start having more conversations with e- with each other versus getting that cookout to say, hey, I was never taught about money. We never talked about money. Start talking right. about your money. Start teaching. Don't let it be something that we got to figure out on our own. As a collective, we can create anything. So I say wealth is hidden in the words that define it. But if you're not talking about it, nobody will know about it. Mm-hmm. Have those conversations with your family. Start to think differently about your money. Commit to yourself, even today, look in the mirror and say, I am going to become a creator versus a consumer. Mm-hmm. And then just start taking it step by step and you will be there. Success does not happen overnight, but neither does failure. Right. See, yeah. there I go. I'm getting ready to get up and go get the plate, you all, okay? You see? I put my apron on. <laughs> okay, good. I'm going to get the plate. Randy, 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 thank you, man. Thank you for... For this episode tonight it was much needed you know ladies and gentlemen we are nearing the end of the year and randy definitely dropped some points that all of us can take away from this show tonight um so randy thank you thank you thank you um i see lillian uh alma's grandmother uh alma has a show ask alma her godmother i'm sorry came on and 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 and, and supporting our show tonight Thank you so much, Lillian, for for being here and for giving us a shout. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to let Randy go because tonight, we, you know, (laughs) Randy, Randy never, you know, Randy just leaves and comes. He comes and drops the bomb, then he leaves. We're going to have some fun with Randy tonight. Um, Tonight, we're going to play a game, and you all join in, too. Um, This game is called Do You Really Know? Um, Do You Really Know? Okay. So how is it going to work? I'm going to head the game. I'm going to bring up two um, actors or actresses, and I'm going to I'm going to say, ask you, which one do you think either made this statement or what I'm about to share with you applies to? So welcome to our episode of Do You Really Know? Okay. <laughs> so we, we're going to start off first. Um, our 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 first two actresses is Halle Berry and Kerry Washington. Okay. 
Okay. So one of these actresses, one of them began their career in a beauty pageant, um, on, on, on a, the beauty pageant circuit, actually. Um, she won Miss Teen All-American in 1985 and Miss Ohio USA in 1986. This diva finished second in Miss US in the Miss USA contest in 1986, and she won sixth in the Miss World 1986. Who am I talking about, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, so uh, G do, said Halle Berry. Who? Did we bring a buzzer? Yeah, well, I, I just want to hear what you said because we I'm totaling the points to see who won. Okay. Huh? Kerry Washington. Who said Kerry Washington? No, I did. Okay. Randy, uh, Randy said Kerry Washington. Ah. Any, and who, who did you all say? Halle Berry. Halle, Halle Berry. Berry. Randy, I'm sorry. It is Halle Berry. Okay. Halle Berry. <laughs> Halle Berry. Can we put Halle Berry back up on here? Um, uh, our producer, Halle Berry, is, uh, has been, she's been the pageant queen. So yes. thank you. Okay. Okay, Randy. So, okay, we got two to one, but but G got it. And Blue said, uh, Kerry Washington. Eh. Okay. Blue, you know better. <laughs> our, our, our next actress that we're going to put up is Alfre Woodard and Viola Davis. All right. Mm -hmm. One of these divas said that acting is the only job from which I haven't been promptly fired. Who would Viola. Viola. Okay, what, what you say? Randy said Viola. Um, uh, Vox said Viola. Who, who do you say, uh, uh, Saladin? I'll say Alfre Woodard. You got it. It is Alfre Woodard. Ah. <laughs> okay. You count money. I don't play games. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he ran, you should count ran. money now because for every wrong answer, I want you to send me a dollar. Exactly. Randy, you're going two for two. Okay, Randy, we're introducing you to pop culture. Okay, so... Um, the next two that I'm going to bring up is Morgan Freeman mm -hmm. and Sidney Poitier. Okay, legends, actors, okay. Uncles. Both of these men are 90, over 90 years old, and one happens to be older than the other. But one of them owns three planes and flies them all right now. Who is it? Sidney Poitier. Morgan. 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 It is Morgan Freeman, ladies and gentlemen. Can we All add right. Morgan, Morgan Freeman? That's right, Randy. You got but look at Randy happy now. He's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our the music industry has been turned around by these next two artists, Megan the Stallion and Lizzo. Okay, Lizzo, you better wear that pink outfit. I love that okay. pink look. You, yeah, she looks you, great. you better wear the pink outfit. Okay. Yeah. Now, Randy, Randy, this is up your alley. One of these artists have a net worth of $10 million, and the other one has a net worth of $8 million. Who has the highest net worth? Megan. Lizzo. Lizzo. I got Megan, Megan. Lizzo. Lizzo. What, Lizzo. What'd you say, Randy? I say Megan. You <laughs> <laughs> almost Megan. It is actually Lizzo. Lizzo is worth more than Megan Thee Stallion right now. But Megan Thee Stallion is doing commercials for Popeyes. And we all know Megan Thee Stallion has, okay. yeah, she has a, a deal with uh, Popeyes and Nike. So when was, right. this, when was this day to, you know, This calculated. is recent, 2021. This is right now, today. But, you know, uh, people- Lizzo's music is used by so many different brands. Well, is it really? First, oh yeah, yeah. If you really yeah. listen to like, if you yeah. watch, you know, yeah. television, listen to commercials. A lot uh -huh. of brands use her music, mm -hmm. um, especially that "Feeling Good as Hell." I think it's Oil mm -hmm. of Olay. They may use that. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> right on. Right on. But you know, a couple of weeks, Megan Thee Stallion. People eat chicken. It's the holidays. Hot sauce. Hot sauce. Okay, so can we put up our next, Mr. Kanye West, aka now, and Drake? Ladies and gentlemen, um, one of these artists have a net worth of $3.2 billion, and the other has a net worth of $180 million. Who uh. has the most money? Kanye. Kanye. Y'all sound, sound like a choir just now, okay? Uh, I'm, not, I, I'm not sure. I would say that Kanye would be the obvious choice because some of his music, as Saladin said, uh, with Lizzo 
has been picked up and used, but so has Drake's. But what Drake doesn't have that Kanye has is his Yeezy line. That's where Kanye has it's made what? a lot of money. His it's Yeezy clothing easy, and shoe easy line. Clothing, ah, clothing and shoe. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, I will say yay, even though he is going to be divorced and have to pay alimony to Miss Kim, which has a big booty, which is a lot of fabric. But I will say yay. <laughs> well, the person who has the $3.2 million net worth is Kanye West, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, he is. Okay. Well, Kim ain't stupid. Okay. So, <laughs> let me put it that way. She ain't stupid. She, she married rich. So yeah, Kanye West um, and his clothing line definitely mm -hmm. attributes to him being like... Um, uh, worth more than than, than Drake. Right so on. our next, you know, I, I couldn't do it without this person. The next one is Beyonce and Janet Jackson. Mm -hmm. oh. All right. Okay, come on, viewers. We want to hear from you. One of these women won an award from the New York Association of Black Journalists for her 2011 essay in Essence magazine. The award-winning first-person piece was called Eat, Play, Love, detailed the the singer's experiences during her year off from touring and included insights into her personal life. Who am I talking about? Beyonce. 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 Oh, y'all got it. It is Beyonce Blue. You said Janet. Blah. Okay. okay. Blue. 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 <laughs> it is Beyonce. Okay. Okay. That's, that's right, G. It is Beyonce. That's right. So we're going to move on. The next person, next two. Uh, folks that we have is Will Smith Philly. and Michael B. Jordan, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Um, one of these men has used their wealth and notoriety to launch a production company that's aiming to make Hollywood more inclusive. Who would it be? I'm going to say Will Smith because he had a big thing where he and Jada sort of were picketing the Oscars because of their lack of inclusivity. And I can imagine that he put his money where his mouth is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Solid well, based on that information, I would say the same thing. <laughs> I'm going to say, I don't see Will Smith as someone who is going to shake things up too much because he doesn't want to mess with his money and future opportunities. So I'm going to go with Michael B. Jordan because he has less to lose. It is Michael B. Jordan, and wow. I'm going to speed it up. It is Michael B. Jordan. So wow. our our next our next uh, I let you wrong, Randy. We're going to put up is Tom Hanks and Woody Harrelson. Okay, one of these two men almost became a priest before they became an actor. Uh, you guys, we got speed up. Okay, you know we, 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 we uh, oh, who said Tom Hanks? I did. Okay, okay. Randy said Tom Hanks. Who? I, I need you all to say something so we can I'm gonna move. Say Woody okay. Harrelson. I'm okay. going to say Woody Harrelson because he has a very thick Southern accent. So he's probably okay. from some Bible Belt town in the country. It is once, Woody Harrelson. Yes, because once he found wow. himself, he also okay. found marijuana. and okay. Exactly. And he became a nun. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, our, our next two is Little Nas X and The Baby. Okay. Now, this is a two-parter for these two. One of these two artists... Um, I'm sorry, one of these artists um, has a net worth of $5 million and the other has a net worth of $7 million. And the same one said, I believe whenever you're trying something new, it's always going to get some kind of bad reception. Who is this person? Lil Nas. Lil Nas. It, yeah. is, little, it is Lil Nas. Okay. All right. It is Lil Nas. And we have one more. And we're going to go with Tyra Banks Naomi. And, and Naomi Campbell. All right. Mother. Um, one of the now this one said the other one, and the other thing applies to the other one. One of them said, I look at modeling as something I'm doing for black people in general. The other one has a net worth of 90 million, and the other one has a net worth of 80 million. Tyra's richer. Tyra's richer. Tyra. Y'all better go ahead, Tyra. It is Tyra Banks, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, I want to thank y'all for playing Do You Really Know? Thank you. This is the first time playing this game, and we got Randy involved. So you know what? That 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 alone right there is, is worth the game. Ladies and gentlemen, we have reached the end of our show. Thank you so much for joining us on Fertilizing Your Finances with our finance guru, Mr. Randy Jones. We really appreciate you being here, Randy, as always. And next week... In honor of World AIDS Day on December 1st, 
We have a show called Yesterday, Tomorrow, Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. And we'll, we will be talking about the impacts of how HIV and AIDS have changed the world in, in honor of World AIDS Day. Before we go, our words of the week. Beware of little expenses. A small leak will sink a great ship. And those were words by Benjamin Franklin, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, look, thank you all for joining us. It has been a great show. I know you got something from this show today because I did. And if I got it, you got it because we're giving it to you. So until next week, we will see all of you again on. He said. He said. He said. It's a wrap. You guys have a great week. Thank you all. And happy Thanksgiving, everybody.